this morning I'm giving you an end times timeline. David is going to pass those out, and uh, this will hopefully make things that we've been talking about over the last few weeks. This is the sixth week that we've been talking about this, and hopefully this will make things maybe a little more clearer uh, and kind of show you where things kind of fit along on a timeline here. And so uh, he's going to hand all this out um, to you. There, it, there's also a copy of it on our Faith Life page. Um, if you want to look at one online as well, um, I would tell you how to get to it. It's just it's a little more in-depth, but this is, this is a paper copy, and you don't have to try to uh, uh, look at the one online if you don't want to. But uh, this is what I have according to what I've read and I've researched uh, again. Now, since these things have not occurred uh, yet, it is hard to tell everything that will happen. Uh, we have to try and interpret the scriptures to get this timeline. So, uh, but that's what this is. But we're going to take a moment and we're going to recap what we've looked at the last few weeks briefly. You know, the story of the Bible, it begins in the paradise of a garden in Genesis and the story ends in the paradise of a city in Revelation. And John writes this in Revelation 21.1. He says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. You know, we began this series by looking at Israel. And I want you to understand that it is the central to God's plans for building his community. God promises to Abram, it was Abram at the time, in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, he says, I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. You know, we also learn that most of the prophecies about Israel have been fulfilled. Israel has blessed the world. Israel gave us the Savior and it also gave us the Bible. You know, and after an 1,800-year absence, Israel is back in their own land, and for the first time in 1,900 years, Israel has her own temple mount, and after 1,950 years, Jerusalem is once again recognized as the capital of the nation. And we also learn that signs in the skies have been fulfilled. They signal the beginning of the tribulation. And Ezekiel's war, described in Ezekiel 38 and 39, is likely the final prophecy that needs to be fulfilled before the tribulation begins. And it could be fulfilled any day. As the nation of Syria is on the verge of collapse, and the three key nations of Russia, Iran, and Turkey all have boots on the ground inside the borders of Syria. And if Syria collapses, Ezekiel's war could begin as soon as the next day. And when this happens, you might as well be looking up. Amen? Because that means the rapture could be upon us. And we don't know if the rapture will happen before that, in the middle of that, after that. But be looking up because at some point, the rapture is going to take place. And let me just encourage you, if you have not been here with us every week, go online, take a look at, we have, uh, you know, the messages on audio, we have them on, you can also see the services, 
But especially those first couple of messages, those kind of tell you what's been going on, what's been happening, and study those. Listen to them. If you need the sermon notes, you can let me know, and I'll be happy to get those to you. But, you know, I love what Revelation chapter 4, verse 1 says. After this, I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven, and the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. And after this moment, we read in the next several chapters of Revelation about a seven-year period that we know as the tribulation. And in the timeline that I have given you, you will find the events of the tribulation with scripture references. And then last week we looked at we took a moment to look at the glorious time of the 1000 years of peace and Jesus reigning over us as our governor. And then after this period Satan will be released and will lead a rebellion and he will finally be defeated forever with the word from the Savior's mouth and permanently be cast into the lake of fire. And so we've covered a lot of details in the past few weeks, but we are not finished, amen? Today we're going to finish this story. So if you have your Bibles, go with me to Revelation chapter 21 and also chapter 22 and we're going to finish this out. Chapter uh, Revelation 21 beginning at verse 1. It says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. So the final event that God has projected for us in his word is the coming of the new creation. And this will be a complete new creation. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 12 says, As you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming, that day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire, and the elements will melt in the heat. So see, the new creation is God's ultimate design and his ultimate desire and our ultimate destination. Amen? It's the place that we were made for. It's the place that we are longing for. And it's the place where we will spend all of eternity. And so the new creation has a new heaven, a new earth, and a new city called the New Jerusalem. And this is the city that we are longing for. If you ever hear the songs, you know, when we all get to heaven, we're, you know, talking about walking the streets of gold, talking about all these things. This is what these songs talk about. We are talking about the, the new heaven, the new earth, the new Jerusalem. So let me th- ask you this. How many of you these last several months and just over a year, maybe you've wished the world was just a little bit better, amen? It's been kind of rough, hasn't it? The truth is you were made for a better world, amen? And someday soon you're going to have a better world, amen? So, so what will this future home look like? Well, let's continue in Revelation 21. Let's look at verse 3. It says, And I heard a loud voice 
from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. So, think about this. Heaven is going to be made up of people from every ethnicity. We'll be diverse, but united, amen? It's like, our, like the church strives for to be every day. Heaven will be made up of cultures from every nation, from every tribe, from every language. Amen? Now look at verse 4. He will wipe every tear from your eyes. There will be no more death. There will be no more mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. Let's look at this. We'll be a healed people. Amen? Think about your ailments right now. No more. Each of us will have a session with the Lord where he will hear, hear all our pain and wipe it all away. All the evil, all the disappointment, all our sorrows, all those things will pass away forever. Amen? Look at verse 5. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. Understand, God is making everything new. Nothing that was before will be there. Everything will be made new. Brand, how many of you like new things? Uh-huh. You know what I'm talking about? You like that? You ever got, you ever got a new car before? A brand spanking new car? Have you ever test drove a new car? What do you do? You get in there, and what's the first thing you notice? It smells different, isn't it, right? You know what I'm talking about. You get in and like, oh, this smells good, you know. Oh, you smell that leather or whatever you may have, the vinyl, whatever, cloth, whatever it might be, but this smells different. There's something different about a new car. Can I tell you that in heaven, everything's going to be new, amen? Can you imagine if you walked into something and everything was just new that one day? I'll never forget the day we moved into our house. Brand spanking new. We got to help plan it. We got to help, you know, uh, they just didn't want me doing any construction because that would have been a mess. But, uh, you know, we, I remember walking in and everything was new, you know. It's like, man, the first time I start bringing furniture in, it's not going to look the same, you know, because my furniture is old and wore out. But this place is new, and it smells good, and it looks good, and that new carpet smell, and everything was just, you know, great. So everything in heaven is going to be new. Now look at verse 6. He said to me, it is done. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this. I will be their God and they will be my children. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Understand this. Nothing wicked or harmful or false will enter into heaven. Everyone there will be sons and daughters Completely washed clean because we've asked forgiveness and are now fully bathed in his righteousness. Amen? Amen. Look at verse 9. One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came and said to me, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. Understand this. That's us, the church. 
We're the bride. Jesus is the lamb. Next time you're at a wedding, when they play, here comes the bride, you can just think, that's us, that's me. (laughs) I'm going to be part of the bride of Christ. Look at verse 10. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. You see, the new creation will come to us. The new Jerusalem will come down out of heaven and become our eternal home. Verse 11, it shone with the glory of God and its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with 12 gates and with 12 angels at the gates. On the gates were written the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. There were three gates on the east, three on the north, three on the south, three on the west. The wall of the city had 12 foundations and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. You see, what is the significance of this number 12? Number 12 is the number of completion. Nothing will be incomplete there. There will be 12 gates. Looking back in Scripture, we know that there were 12 tribes of Israel. They are represented by 12 gates. There will there were 12 apostles representing the church. These are represented by the 12 foundations of the city. Now go to verse 15. The angel who talked with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city, its gates and its walls. The city was laid out like a square as long as it was wide. He measured the city with the rod and found it to be 12,000 stadia in length and as wide and high as it is long. The angel measured the wall using human measurement and it was 144 cubits thick. 12,000 stadia, okay, listen, equals 1,400 miles. That's a lot, right? Get this. Jerusalem will, will be either a perfect cube, 1,400 miles long, wide, and high, or a perfect four-sided uh, pyramid with each side 1,400 miles in length. The city's building materials are so perfect that we have trouble even imagining them, Okay? So look at how John describes the rest of the city, beginning at verse 18. The wall was made of jasper, and the city of pure gold, as pure as glass. The foundations of the city walls were decorated with every kind of precious stone. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth ruby the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth turquoise, the eleventh jacinth, and the twelfth amethyst. Does that sound familiar to anybody? You ever heard of birthstones? <laughs> Verse 21, the twelve gates were twelve pearls, each gate made of a single pearl. The, the great street of the city was of gold, as pure as transparent glass. I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the lamp is its lamp. Or the Lamb is its lamp, excuse me. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. 
On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. Verse 26, the glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will enter, will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Now go with me to chapter 22, the final chapter of Revelation, the final chapter of God's word. Beginning at verse 1, it says, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Down the middle of the great street of the city, on each side of the river, stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. Please understand, this is what our eternal home will be like, amen? When we think of living in heaven, we will actually be living on the new earth. The hub of the new earth will be the new Jerusalem. At 1,400 miles by 1,400 miles by 1,400 miles, new Jerusalem will cover a territory as large as the distance from Canada to Mexico and from the Appalachian Mountains to the eastern border of California. The city is nearly... Two million square miles at its base, which is 40 times the size of England and 10 times as large as France. And there's just, and that's just the ground level, okay? If this pyramid is built like a high rise with uh, each story 12 feet high, it could have as many as 600,000 stories. Today, New York City has a population density of 27,000 people per square mile. Billions of people can occupy the New Jerusalem. With a population density of several square miles per person, we won't be crowded, but we will all be living near each other. Amen? So the river of life, it talked about the river of life. One of the great wonders of the heavenly city is the river of life. It's clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God. Jesus the Lamb occupies the throne. The river flows down the center of the great street. Water is essential to human life. New Jerusalem is the center of human life. Water flows downward from the throne, which means God's throne will occupy the highest ground in the city. Anyone wanting to visit God's throne need only uh, follow the river upstream. Then there's the tree of life. Another stunning feature of the city is its tree of life. The tree stands on each side of the river. This is the tree that was in the Garden of Eden, but it was removed by God so that fallen humans Uh, could not eat of it and live forever in their sin-bound state. It's been in existence since creation, and it bears fruit every month. It's a source of food and a source of healing. Every person has wounds, and every nation has wounds. They'll all be healed at the tree. We will be reconciled to one another by means of this tree, just as we were justified by the tree that became Christ's cross. 
The tree of life is a single tree with shoots underground that send up shoots all over the city. Aspen trees are like this. Uh, A whole mountain can be covered by one tree whose roots go everywhere, which explains why all the leaves on the entire mountain turn brown at the same time. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 14 through 16 says, or it assures us that there will be a countryside as well as city streets and buildings. The new earth will have spacious outdoors. There's going to be mountains. Revelation chapter 21 verse 10 describes a mountain great and high. Not the mountain, but a mountain, which means there will be more than one mountain on the new earth. There will be soaring peaks to appreciate and climb. Imagine the slopes, lakes, waterfalls, and meadows. These mountains will provide. Recreational opportunities could abound. Amen? Uh, If you've never been able to go uh, hiking before, you'll be able to go hiking now, you know. Uh, some of us think, man, I'd love to go be able to go see this or go see that. When, that, when you get to heaven, you can, you can do all these things. Just imagine what all you can do. Housing in heaven. If you've dreamed of a new home, then be encouraged. On his final night before crucifixion, Jesus told the disciples, my father's house has many rooms, and I'm going there to prepare a place for you. Some translations say many mansions. Your new home may or may not be attached to other people's homes. We don't really know what this great cube or pyramid will be like. But the Lord is creating perfect spaces for each of us based on his knowledge of our personal preferences. And since that's the case, I believe that I could be looking water or mountains, uh, you know, there's no telling. Just imagine what you could think of as your most beautiful place. You know, and God's preparing that for us. But it'll be more perfectly suited to you than you can imagine. What about time in heaven? Some people think that heaven is somehow outside of time. But Isaiah sixty six twenty three says that mankind will come and bow down before God from one Sabbath to another. And Revelation 22, verse 2 says that the tree of life bears fruit every month. And Ephesians chapter 2, verse 7 says that God will show us the incomparable riches of his grace throughout the coming ages. So there's going to be weeks, there's going to be months, there's going to be ages in heaven. Clearly, we will be living inside of time, which means that heaven will have things Uh, to work towards events to spur us on to greater attainments and and meaningful activities to look forward to. Heaven is a wonderful place. It's going to be placed as grand. What about food? (laughs) Everybody likes food, right? Luke chapter 22, verse 29 says, and Jesus told his disciples, I confer on you a kingdom just as my father conferred one on me so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. In Revelation chapter 2, verse 7, he said, To him who overcomes, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life. With a lack of pestilence and only cooperative weather patterns, imagine the fruits and vegetables the land will produce. In heaven, the ground will be full of rich nutrients and minerals. We'll have more flavorful foods to appreciate with our more acute taste buds. The wedding supper of the Lamb will be a huge feast. And I'm not sure if calories will disappear, but our resurrected bodies will come with enhanced metabolism and sanctified self-restraint. Amen? (laughs) It's going to be a glorious time. Amen? It's going to be something to look forward to. What about animals? If you're an animal lover, Isaiah tells us that the wolf will lay down with the Lamb 
So there will be wolves and lambs there and every other kind of animal too. Yes, including cats and dogs. <laughs> and angels, if you've dreamed of becoming an angel, you, you won't be. Humans don't become angels when we get to heaven. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 3 says that we will judge angels. What about marriage? If you've wondered about marriage in heaven, Matthew 22, verse 30, Jesus said at the resurrection, people will neither marry nor be given in marriage. They will be like the angels in heaven. Instead of being married to another person, we will all be married to the lamb. We will be the bride. We will be uh, he will be the bridegroom. Revelation 22, verse 17 says, The Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let the one who hears say, Come. Let the one who is thirsty come, and let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. In fact, the purpose of marriage on earth is to prepare us for a close relationship with God one day. Nothing will take away from the rich relationships that you may have had with your spouse and family members on earth. All the tarnish of sin will be washed away there. The perfect marriage you've always longed for will be had in your relationship with your Savior. And as a result of that relationship, all other relationships will be better than they are today. Knowledge. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12 says, For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. In heaven, we will see things more clearly and know much more than we do now, yet only God is omnipotent. We will never know everything. We will continue to learn each day forever. What about will we work in heaven? Well, Work is a good thing. The only bad work is work we don't like, right? Some of you are thinking, man, I don't like any work. But work can give a sense of purpose. It can give us accomplishment and worth. Jesus said, my father is always at work to this very day. Adam worked the garden. We will work in the new creation. In heaven, you'll be given significant assignments for meaningful tasks that keep you growing and enhance the lives of others. These assignments will be doled out based on your performance <clears throat> in this present life. Rewards. Every service rendered to Christ will result in rewards in heaven. And there are even some other rewards so unusual that we don't fully understand them. Luke chapter 16 verse 9 says, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. One of the greatest rewards in heaven will be the friends that we made as a result of sharing Christ and serving in the church. Amen? And understand, what I'm telling you is just a small sampling of heaven. There is so much more. So much more. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 14 says, So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. The truth is, heaven is real, and it's in your future. Amen? You know, we're two weeks away from Christmas, and I don't know about you, but I can remember as a young child being in great anticipation on Christmas Eve. Amen? 
I couldn't wait until the next morning to rip open the presents to see what I had received. And, it, you know, it was hard to go to sleep the night before. And I can imagine someday when my time has come and I'm on my deathbed and I anticipate what the afterlife will be like. What a day that will be. Amen? You know, I'm reminded of the words of the old hymn by Jim Hill. And the story goes, in the early 1950s, he would write, what a day that will be. His mother-in-law got gravely ill. He himself was a new Christian at the time, and while he was driving home from work, he asked God, why is this happening to her? And the words of this psalm began to run through his head, and when he got home, he grabbed a piece of cardboard, and he started writing the words down. There's coming a day when no heartaches shall come, no more clouds in the sky, no more tears to dim the eye. All is peace forevermore on that happy golden shore. What a day, glorious day that will be. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. And I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace. When he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land. What a day a glorious day that will be. Amen? Life on planet Earth, it can contain some exhilarating moments, right? But once this life here is done, for those who have trusted Christ, guess what? Life only gets better. Amen? <laughs> Heaven is a place of unspeakable joy. It's a place with eternal rewards. And truly, I believe what a day, a glorious day that's going to be. Amen? Can we stand this morning? Can we stand? And can we just worship the Lord? God, we just thank you right now. We thank you right now for that, that place and time that we can look forward to. Something that we can look forward to someday. That as we've lived on this earth, as we, as we have endured the pain, as we have endured the sorrow, as we have endured the hurts, as we have faced all these things here on this earth, we know that someday, some glorious day when we leave this earth and we go to heaven to be with you, that we will, we will receive our reward and it will be a glorious place our eternal home, that we have something to look forward to, that we will live forever and ever and ever in eternity with you. And we love you, and we praise you, and we thank you. I want to ask you this morning, all heads bowed, eyes closed. If you're here this morning, you know, Scripture says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you can be saved. That means every sin forgiven Washed away as if it never happened. And today, you recognize that you need his grace. You need his forgiveness. You need change. It's not something that you earn. You don't deserve it. None of us deserved it. But it's freely given to you. It's a gift. And that's why you're here today. That's why you're watching at home. But it's time to say yes today by faith. Give him your life. And if this is you, then I want you to say this prayer after me. Let's all say this prayer today. Say, dear Jesus, I admit that I am a sinner. I confess that I need a Savior. Today I give my heart to you. Come into my life and make me clean. I want to serve you. I give my life to you. 
I am no longer my own, but I am yours in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. If you said that prayer, I want you to be sure to let somebody know. Let somebody know. And if you're at home and you said that prayer, you can get in contact with us and let us know. Because uh, we, we want to help you in this journey. We believe that it's a journey. It's not a sprint, but it's a marathon. It's something that's going to continue on, on a while. Can we sing that song one more time? I can only imagine. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Oh, 
only imagine when that day comes and I find myself standing in the sun. I can only imagine. I can only imagine. Surrounded by your glory. What will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus? Or in all of you be still? Will I stand in your presence? Or to my knees will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak it all? I can only imagine, yeah. I can only imagine. That's all any of us can do. Hallelujah. Lord, we worship you. Yes. That's all any of us can do, right? We can only hear the word, hear the scriptures. We can only imagine. That's all we can do. We don't know 100%. All we know is what God's word tells us. But there's enough there in God's word to give us something excited about. Amen. Something excited about that we have an eternal home that we can go to where there's no more pain, there's no more sadness, there's no more uh, worry, there's no more anxiety, there's no more any of these grief, no more problems because we'll all be standing around the throne worshiping the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Amen. But it's going to be a great and glorious life. So I hope that I have done everything that I could possibly do to paint a picture of what heaven is going to be like. Amen. Heaven's a glorious place. You ever remember that song as kids? We say, Heaven is a glorious place. Phil, anybody sing that? I'm going to see my Savior's face because heaven is a wonderful place. It's going to be a great day. It's going to be a wonderful day. Amen. You can be seated. Those can continue to pray that are praying up here. God is so good. Amen. I just... I love thinking about what heaven's going to be like. It gives us something to look forward to. Amen? Now, it doesn't mean that we need to go before our time. <laughs> God, has a, God has appointed each one of us a time, right? And so we need to wait for that appointed time. But I believe that we've got something to look forward to as believers. If we've asked Jesus to be our Savior, we've got something to look forward to. You know, one of the things that we do, and one of the things that uh, our church does, is we give. Giving does a couple of things. It helps us to be able to do the ministries that, that God has given us the vision to do. It helps us to accomplish those things. Another thing that we do is we give to missions. And God, God has given us ability to, to uh, give to missions. Last week, we took up a BGMC offering. And I want to let you know that you gave, in last week's Buddy Barrel, $175 in that one offering. That's, yeah, that's amazing. That's probably, I think that's the largest Buddy Barrel offering that we've taken uh, since, I've, since I've been here. At least that I can remember putting in that yellow bucket. Um, but that brings our grand total for BGMC this year to about $2,200. And that's going to help our missionaries be able to 
uh, help spread the gospel and, and hope more people will be able to go to heaven with us, amen, uh, by your giving and missions. And then also, I want you to know that if you've still got any Speed the Light envelopes that you need to turn in, if you could turn those in today, we've got to send that off this week. And then we are so close in Speed the Light giving to the $3,000 mark. We're about $200 away from that mark. So if you can help us, if you can turn in uh, to that, I would appreciate that. We need that in today so we can get that in the mail. But God is doing some amazing things. He's blessed our church. Our giving is up for this year. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much uh, for, your, for your faithfulness and what God is doing. And, and I believe that God is blessing you as well. Amen? I believe that God is blessing you. He's blessing this church, and if he's blessing this church, it means he's blessing you because you're the ones that are giving and, and helping bless this church. And so let me just encourage you to continue to uh, let the Lord bless you and guide you as you give. Uh, I want to ask, since we're fixing to do something different, I want to ask our us. Normally they just stand at the back and, and y'all take your offerings to them, but I want us to go ahead, if they could come forward today, and they're going to pass the offering plates and the reason why is because we are going to leave out of here and we're going to go to the back and, and have our chili cook-off and ugly sweater competition and all that.